So, our reading this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And uh, please stand. I thought about something. When Queen Elizabeth walks into a room, everyone stands out of honor for the queen and the monarchy. How much more? How much more should we stand when King Jesus walks into the room with his word? So I asked Troy to join me, partners in the gospel, to share this small section with me. We'll be reading from 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17. I'll read the first two verses and Jeff will conclude the passage here. The word of God. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Wonderful testimony of the word, work of God in your life through the word of God, and it serves as somewhat of an introduction to our sermon today. This will indeed be a sermon on the word of God as we, and I appreciate how Jeff talked about how we change. And as we begin a new year, some of you are thinking about that. Some of you are thinking about goals and priorities and changes that you want to make in this coming year. Some of you maybe even made resolutions toward that end. But today, I want to speak about a goal that is common to every follower of Jesus without exception. A goal that we all have, those of us who know and love Jesus. We all want to be more like our Savior. We all want to be more like Jesus. Now that desire may at times be stronger or weaker. It may be more intense or more apathetic, but it's there. And the reason it's there is because God has put it in your heart. He's made you a new creation. And it's not only what you want. In fact, it is what God wants for you as well. God wants us, he wants each one of his children to be just like his own son, Jesus. Yes, it is true that God saves us as we are. We come just as I am, as the great hymn says. We don't clean ourselves up or make changes in our lives. We repent and we come to faith in Christ just as we are. He saves us as we are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. He changes us. He transforms us into the image of his son. Scriptures say that God has begun a good work in our lives and he will complete that work. And the completion of that work happens when we are conformed to the image of his son. This is an ongoing process in our lives and it will only finally be completed when we actually see our Savior face to face. As a promise, a glorious day that is indeed coming. It's coming for each one of us who trusts in our Savior. But the process and the progress continue in the life of every believer every day until that final great day. And one of the gifts from God that is essential to that process and progress for every believer is indeed 
the word of God. Jeff's testimony was unique to him, but what was not unique about his testimony was the work of the word of God. God uses the word of God in the life of every believer to make us more like Jesus Christ. Beloved, if you are a Christian, you want to be more like Jesus. God has given you this desire and he will make it happen. But it will not happen apart from the work of God in your life through his word. The Bible is essential for the the growth of the believer. You can indeed follow Jesus only as you read or hear and follow and believe and obey his word. God has indeed given us what we need to grow as believers, and he's given it to us in his word. And so I like that phrase Jeff used, the great book. You know, this great book, the word of God, the Bible, it's not a burden to the believer. It's a great blessing in our lives that God has given to us for our good. We need God's word in our lives, and we want God's word in our lives. Just consider the attitude that we are to have towards God's word that we read about in the scriptures. We often say that here at Proclamation, God has blessed us with many children, and we are grateful for every single one. We love and we seek to welcome children here at Proclamation. Well, Peter tells us in the word of God that our attitude towards the word of God is to be like that of a newborn infant. First Peter chapter 2. Peter writes, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So God is telling us that we are to crave his word, to crave the scriptures like a baby craves or hungers for milk. And what does a baby do when he's hungry, when he wants milk? He cries until he gets it. For many of you, that is your present circumstance in life. You hear those cries. The baby cries until he gets that milk. And the baby will drink milk several times a day and often throughout the night. Beloved, does that describe your hunger for the word of God? There is something unique about this book that we can hold in our hands. There's something different about this word from any other book in the world that when we properly understand its value, its beauty, we will crave it as a baby craves her mother's milk. Or consider Psalm 19.10, speaking also of the word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Money and sugar. Do any of you desire money? Do you like to see your bank account, your investments grow? Or how about sugar? Do any of you crave sugar? Anyone addicted to sugar like I am? I eat it every day. We're to have that kind of desire and hunger for the word of God that I have to have it. I'm consumed by it. In fact, the fundamental attitude that the psalmist in Psalm 19 has toward the word of God is one of delight. Delight. God's word is more desirable than the best riches and more pleasurable than the finest 
tastes. That's the truth. That's the reality of this word God has given us. It is more desirable than the best riches and more pleasurable than the final, finest tastes. And it is essential to the growth of the believer. And so if you want to see changes in your life, if you want this year to become more like Jesus, God's word will be a regular part of your life. It is essential to your growth and it is worth reading. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Our passage in 2 Timothy teaches us that everyone can benefit from reading the Bible in at least three ways. There are more. I'm going to simply share three with you this morning. First one is this. The Bible is God's appointed means of saving us and making us more like Jesus. This book is God's appointed means of saving us and making us more like Jesus. 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul. He was an older, more experienced, more mature believer, pastor at the time, and he was writing to Timothy, his young student. And Paul tells Timothy that the sacred writings, the scriptures, the Bible, this is what is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We learn from the scriptures our greatest need, the greatest need of every person who has ever lived or ever will live wherever they live in this world is the same. Our greatest need is our need for salvation, to have our sins forgiven, to be reconciled to God. Well, what does it mean to be saved? How does this happen? Well, many of us just celebrated Christmas. It's that annual reminder for many people. We have more than simply that annual reminder, but it is an annual reminder for many that Jesus was sent into the world to save his people from their sins. And each week here, as part of our gathered worship at Proclamation, we rehearse the gospel together, this good news of Jesus Christ. We learn this good news from the word of God. Without the word of God, we would not know these things to be true. But in this word, we learn that God is holy. He is indeed the sovereign creator of all things. The very first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We learn that God is holy. We also learn that mankind is sinful. We have sinned. And not simply our first parents, Adam and Eve, not only Adam as our representative. Yes, he sinned and fell in the garden and his sin nature was then passed on to us. But then also each one of us individually, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, what we earn from that sin is death. Our sin brings death into the world. We destroy our relationship with God, our relationship with our fellow men, our relationship with this world that God has created, and the wages of our sin is death. We have this separation between us and God, and our sins cannot be removed, cannot be atoned for by our own good works. But there's good news, beloved. You know, you've heard, Jesus reconciles us. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, for our sake, he, God, made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so it is through Jesus alone. He lived for us. He died for us. He rose again for us. He reigns for us. 
Jesus indeed is God with us and God for us. It's through Jesus alone that we can be saved. Our sins can be forgiven. We can be reconciled to the Holy God and we can be given the gift of eternal life. This is our greatest need. And our greatest need has been met in our great Savior, Jesus Christ. And the way this happens in our lives is through hearing and believing these truths from this word, from the word of God. The Bible is God's appointed means of saving us. Peter also wrote in his first letter, first chapter, he says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Our two oldest daughters, Elena and Molly, were just at the Cross Conference. It's an annual missions conference for young adults. And uh, one of the speakers there this year was David Platt. And he told this story. Maybe you've heard this story before, but he told this story at this conference in one of his message, messages, a story about a missionary in South America who was sharing the gospel out on the street. And he's sharing this gospel with this young man. And, and as he's sharing the gospel, the man is staring at this pocket New Testament that the missionary is holding in his hand. And the young man remarks how the paper in that Bible would be perfect for rolling and smoking cigarettes. Not so encouraging when you're trying to share the gospel with someone, right? But the missionary said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you this New Testament on one condition. You promise that before you roll it and smoke it, you'll read what's on the page. And so the man said, sure, deal. So he gave him his pocket New Testament. And a few weeks later, that same missionary is back on the same street and he sees the same man. And of course, he's going to ask him, right? So he goes up to him and he says, hey, did you keep the bargain? Did you keep the promise? And the man says, well, I, I, I tore the pages out. I, I read and smoked my way through Matthew. And then I smoked my way through Mark and Luke. And then I was smoking my way through John. And I came to John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I realized that God loved me so much that he gave his own son Jesus to die for my sins. And I asked him to forgive me. And I received him as Lord of my life. Praise the Lord. Now that's not the most conventional evangelism strategy, right? We're not having training sessions on how to do that. But praise the Lord that that missionary trusted in the power of the word of God. And he trusted God to work through his word. That's what he does. So I'm so encouraged. We haven't seen our beloved brother and sister Greg or Diane Bretz for a while now. They're physically unable to come to church. But I bet there's not a person in our congregation who has given out more copies of the scriptures than Greg and Diane. And who knows how many lives have been transformed by that simple act of faithfulness. Beloved, the Bible is God's appointed means of saving us, of bringing us out of death into eternal life. And it is also God's appointed means of making us more like Jesus. This book is about Jesus. He's the main character. You could say he's the hero. Most of you know by now that my favorite children's storybook Bible is the Jesus storybook Bible. And you can even hear it or read it in the title. The reason it's my favorite is just because of how simply and consistently 
it points us to Jesus. It's a great book, not only for children, but also for adults, for parents, grandparents, because it points us to Jesus on every page, every story throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. It's showing us how it all leads to Christ as our Savior. The Bible is about Jesus. If you want to behold the glory of Jesus Christ, open and read this book. This is where you will see the glory of Jesus Christ on display. And as we behold his glory, we are made more like him. You know, maybe you've had this experience yourself. Maybe you've seen it in others. When people spend a lot of time together, they tend to become more like one another. Right? They might pick up mannerisms. They might begin to dress alike. They might begin to look alike. Time together makes you look like one another. That's why you often hear people say about older married couples, how they start to resemble one another. I even hear people talk about how owners and their dogs start to look like each other. Now that might be taken a little bit too far. But we understand the point, the concept, in a similar way, time with Jesus makes us like Jesus. You see, the Bible is not simply a textbook. It's not simply telling us facts about Jesus. This book is living and active. The power of Almighty God is at work through this book. And we actually meet with Jesus as we spend time in his word. We can meet with Jesus Sometimes I feel bad. I come down the stairs in the morning and Amy's sitting there on the chair and she's got her Bible open and I'll interrupt her. And then I realize, oh my goodness, I just interrupted God talking to my wife. I should not do that. We meet with Jesus as we interact with his word. As you interact with this word, as you hear it, as you read it, as you memorize it, meditate on it, pray through it, the spirit himself works through his word to show you the glory of Jesus and to make you more like Jesus. And that word will never return void in your life, beloved. The Bible is God's appointed means not only to save us, but to make us more like Jesus. Well, second, the Bible is God's appointed means of speaking to his people. The Bible is God's appointed means of speaking to his people. Verse 16 Paul writes, all scripture is breathed out by God. So the Bible comes from God. This is the doctrine you may have heard that's referred to as the inspiration of the Bible. That word inspiration means God breathed. It's telling us that God is the ultimate author of the Bible. That this book is unlike any other book you'll ever read. Because when you open up this book and you read this book, You are reading words from God himself. He is the author of this book. And because this book is from God, it is inerrant, without error in all that it teaches. Because the Bible is from God, it is infallible. The Bible cannot err or make mistakes in its original form. Why? Because God, the author of the Bible, is perfect. And he cannot speak error. He only speaks what is true, what is real. And so, beloved, the Bible is a complete trustworthy guide for our life of salvation and faith. In the word of God, God speaks what is true and he speaks what is real. You know, you could gather Orthodox Christians from all over the world. 
bring them together in one room, and there would be no disagreement, no dispute about whether or not God speaks to his people through his word. 100% agreement. They might disagree about all kinds of other things, but this is one thing we agree on. God speaks to us through his word. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible speaks, Jesus speaks. God has indeed spoken through his word, and he does speak through his word today. So how amazing is that? You can open up the Bible, and as you read it, the Almighty God, your, your loving Heavenly Father, will speak to you through his word. So I think that begs the question for us. When you have free time, when you have the freedom to choose what you want to do, what do you do with that time? What do you read, or what do you watch, or what do you listen to? When you have those moments where you're, you're not fulfilling some other responsibility, where do you go? Where do you turn? And where is God on that list of priorities, of who you might want to hear from? I'd encourage you to, to write it out, perhaps this afternoon, or sometime this week, to just pause for a few moments and think about how do you actually spend your time. Now, some of you, you can just pick up your phone and and swipe, and, and your screen time will show up, and it'll tell you what you're doing on your phone. But those of you that don't have phones like that, take a moment and just think, how am I spending my time? Where am I turning for uh, distraction or for entertainment? What am I listening to? And be honest with yourself. And again, ask yourself, where does God come on that list? What do you have above God on that list of priorities? Do that honest assessment before the Lord. And if necessary, repent. And ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to empower you to make practical differences in your lives you may need to make. The Bible is worth reading. Because it is God's appointed and primary means of speaking to his people even today. He speaks to us what is true and he speaks to us what is is real. Beloved, how do we know what's true about our identity? Who we are? How do we know what's true about human worth and dignity? About sexuality and love? How do we know what's true about justice and caring for the poor? How do we know what's true about money and eternity? The only way... We can know what is true about these important areas of our lives that our world is so confused about is by listening to what God says to us in his word. By taking heed to what he has revealed to us to be true. It doesn't come by listening to the media or the news on TV. It doesn't come from watching the latest binge-worthy show on Netflix doesn't come from listening to popular music, not by simply accepting what gets the most airtime or what is promoted before us in our culture today as what is good and acceptable. It comes by listening to God Almighty himself. By listening to the author and creator of life as he speaks to us what is true, what is real in his word. So, beloved, I ask, are you thinking, are you living according to the truth that has been revealed to you, that has been spoken to you by God through his word? Or are we more influenced by the loud 
the repeated lies that the world around us promotes at every turn that the father of lies himself is behind as he seeks to devour us. This is no light matter, beloved. You can be more like Jesus today. You can be more like Jesus this year. You can think and live according to truth and reality as he always did, and you will do so as his word becomes the primary influence in your life, as you give it the attention and the priority that it deserves, as you grow to delight in it, because this is God's appointed means the primary way that he speaks truth and reality to his people today. Finally, third, the Bible is also God's appointed means of equipping us for every good work. Again, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I wonder if you need to be taught, do you need to learn the way of obedience? Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Do you need reproof, correction? Do you need help exposing the sin in your life, the idols of your heart? Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you need hype? Do you need help in your fight against sin? Psalm 119 tells us, I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are you weary? Psalm 119.28, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. You need wisdom. Psalm 19, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Do you need comfort? Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise, your word gives me life. Beloved, we don't know what 2022 will bring. Although I do believe we know it will bring suffering for all of us in one way or another. It's part of life in a fallen world. And I believe the best way that we can prepare our hearts for the trials, the afflictions that will come is to be equipped for those afflictions by filling our minds with the truth that is in the word of God. Meditating on those things that are true and those things that are real. The Bible is God's appointed means for equipping you, beloved, for every good word. I want to close by encouraging you in one simple way, and it's simply this, to read the Bible this year, to meditate on the Word of God this year, to engage with the Word of God. The Bible is worth your time. It is worth reading. A few years ago, uh, Crossway did a study. Crossway is a publishing group. They They published that book, Gentle and Lowly, that we're giving out. So it's a Christian publishing company, nonprofit, and a few years ago they did this survey. They, sh- they surveyed 11,000 of their readers. So you imagine their 
their customers, their readers, are probably mostly people who are believers in Christ or people who go to church. So they surveyed them. They, they asked them how much time they spend doing various activities. And then they produced this infographic. I'll, I'll try to email it out to you this coming week. But this infographic that showed not only how people spend their time, but also how much time it would take to read through different portions of the Bible, different books of the Bible. So it's very interesting, especially if you're a visual person. Now, most of us know we would admit that we spend, we give too much of our time to things that we'd rather not. Some of it by choice and some of it just by the demands that are placed upon us. But in their survey, just two simple things, they found that 70% of the people that responded spend 30 minutes or more every day on email. That 60% of those that responded spend 30 minutes or more every day on watching television in some manner. And there were very various other activities that they gave their time to. Now, it's not inherently sinful to use email or to watch TV. I'm not saying that. Or to engage in various kinds of media. Yet, the point is, these activities tend to take up a lot more energy and time and even our affections than we realize, than we might be aware of. If you were to consider how you spend your time, might you find that there are some areas in your life that you could cut back on a little bit to allow for more time in the living and abiding word of God. God himself speaking to you. Eternal truths and realities. Think about it. If you only had five minutes a day to spare, and that is not very much, Five minutes a day. In this infographic, they said the average person could read the entire book of Jude in just five minutes, or Obadiah, or second or third John, several other books. You could read an entire book of the Bible in just five minutes. Maybe you have 15 minutes. Think about what you give 15 minutes to every day. You could read the entire book of Ruth or Philippians. Or maybe you have a spare hour. That might be a little bit harder. Do you ever have a spare hour in a day? Well, if you did, you could immerse yourself in the book of Nehemiah or Romans. Do we ever do that? I imagine most of us in this room, if not all, have spent an hour in a day watching something. I know I have multiple times. But do I ever sit down and just say, you know what? I'm not going to watch something for the next hour and a half. I'm just going to read the book of Romans. And let God speak to me. What if we did that? Well, whatever your pace, the point is simply to make daily Bible reading a habit in your life. Beloved, God has given us his word. And there are so many ways today that we can read it, that we can hear it, that we can engage with it. Imagine what God might do in your life in our lives together, if we consistently set aside even just a small amount of time each day for focused Bible reading. Imagine how our lives personally and our lives together as a church would be impacted as we committed to read the Bible over this coming year. Beloved, God would be glorified in our lives as we would become more and more like his son, Jesus. And so I encourage you to make a plan to read God's word this year. 
Maybe you already have a plan and it's working. Praise the Lord. That's great. Just keep doing what you're doing. But if you don't have a plan, pick whatever you want. I'm not going to promote any single plan this year. We do have some out on the table. If you don't, we have two papers out there. I'll just hold them up. There's one like this that you can read through different sections of the Bible. There's this simple one that just tells you uh, how many chapters are in each book of the Bible. These are just two. There's a multitude of plans out there today. You can even make up your own plan. The point is not the plan. The point is whatever it is that gets you into the Word of God. So I'd encourage you to consider something. It might even help to read the Word with others, together with others. That's something that uh, what I had asked Scott Lichtenwalder, one of our elders, to talk about this morning is uh, over 2021 and even back into 2020 during the shutdown, I think, is when this started. He started a simple Zoom Bible study with some other members of our church. Dan Fetters and Jonathan Keel and Josh Brangle joined him. And over their lunch hour, they would just read the Bible together. Maybe that's something you would consider doing, to read the Bible with someone else. We read it really as believers, not only for ourselves, Yes, we do that, but also for others, to encourage others. Beloved, the Bible is worth reading. But we don't read it simply to be successful. That's not our aim. Our aim in reading God's word this year is not so that we can say, I accomplished a New Year's resolution. It's not so we can check off boxes or say that we did it. We have a much higher aim. Our aim in reading the Bible is to behold the glory of our Savior who gave his life for us. And beloved, that happens as you read his word. You behold his glory. You enjoy communion and fellowship with your Savior and you are transformed into his likeness. You hear God speak and you are equipped for every good work. Why would we not want to read the word of God? You know, Moses says at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses has been used by God to lead his people out of slavery. He's taken them through the wilderness. They're on the brink. They're about to enter the promised land. And what does he do? He recites to them the word of God. And he's in this, this major moment in their lives, this is what he says. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Why? He says this, for it is no empty word for you. It's no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So beloved, why read this word? Because this word is no empty word. It is your very life. This word, the word of God, is eternally true. It's a life-giving, precious gift. It's the very words of God. So may we all receive it as such today. May it be our joy, our delight to read it together in the coming year and so be made more like our Savior Jesus Christ, all to the glory of our great God who made us and loves us and gave himself for us. Amen.